Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. How has the subject of perfection been explained by LDS leaders? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are looking at an article that is found in the February 2022 edition of the Liahona Magazine. It was written by the primary general president, Camille N. Johnson. Now, you might be asking, well, Bill, Camille Johnson does not hold priesthood in the LDS Church. She's not a general authority in the church. And you're right. And normally, we do like to zero in on general authorities and what they have to say for the membership. But there are some things in this article that I think are worthy of our notice, because it sounds to me like Camille N. Johnson is using this word practicing almost as a license to say it's okay that you can fail. And is that really what the LDS Church has taught historically, that there are certain things you're supposed to do, but you don't have to do them perfectly? And that's the word that's been used in this article over and over again. I mean, the title of her piece is Practicing Perfection. As I mentioned yesterday, it's important to have a working definition of what perfection really is. And then I think we need to move to the next step. What have LDS leaders said about this subject of perfection? What have they taught? And we admit they are not consistent on this, which I think makes it very unfair to the average LDS member who is trying to understand what does God really expect from them when you have some leaders defining perfection one way, some leaders defining it another, and then you have this clever article where as a, a practicing attorney, she says, I have been practicing law, and she's going to go on to say how she practices perfection. What are we supposed to take away from that? How do we respond to our LDS friends who may use this type of argumentation? Well, first of all, let's look at how Brigham Young understood the topic of perfection. In the book, Discourses of Brigham Young, page 89, Brigham Young said, when we use the term perfection, it applies to man in his present condition, as well as to heavenly beings. We are now, or may be, as perfect in our sphere as God and angels are in theirs, but the greatest intelligence in existence can continually ascend to greater heights of perfection. Now, I would have a problem with what Brigham Young says here, because we understand, especially in the Greek, how it's used in the New Testament, the word used to uh, translated perfection comes from a word that does mean complete or mature. You would think that if you really have this standard of complete or maturity, and you have to get it from some source, either it's from you or it's granted to you, but if Brigham Young is telling the truth, it sounds like even the gods of Mormonism are not quite as perfect as they could be based on what he says here. But he also gave this statement on December 18, 1853, and he cites Matthew 5.48. Now, Eric, you and I have probably heard Matthew 5.48 used by Latter-day Saints on the streets whenever the subject comes up about grace. 
they will turn to Matthew 5.48 as if we do not believe that there has to be some standard of perfection. Well, first of all, you have to understand what was Jesus really saying in Matthew 5.48. He was not talking about sinless perfection. This much we do know. But Brigham Young uses Matthew 5.48 in this sermon that he gave on December 18, 1853. It was titled, Perfection and Salvation, Self-Government. He said, It may appear strange to some of you, and it certainly does to the world, to say it is possible for a man or woman to become perfect on this earth. It is written, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Again, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. This is perfectly consistent to the person who understands what perfection really is. If the first passage I have quoted is not worded to our understanding, we can alter the phraseology of the sentence and say, Be as perfect as ye can, for that is all we can do, though it is written, Be perfect as your Father who is in heaven is perfect. Well, let me stop you there. I think Brigham Young even understands that what many Latter-day Saints end up doing is they are changing the wording to make it sound more palatable to them. It's kind of like what a lot of Latter-day Saints do with 2 Nephi 25-23. You're saved by grace after all you can do. Some will say, well, that means in spite of all you can do. Oh, it does. Well, that's not how LDS leaders have interpreted that. And that's not what it says. They have to reword it because they know they can't live up to the standard as it is worded. Brigham Young is going to admit, though it is written, be ye perfect as your Father who is in heaven is perfect. Who is going to be as perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect based on our personal efforts? Nobody can meet that kind of a standard. So obviously, Jesus is talking about something else. He has to be talking about something else because you would think that Jesus would know that there's no way sinful human beings can live up to the standard of perfection, holiness, as God the Father. So something else must be in play here. And I think that's lost on a lot of Latter-day Saints. He goes on. To be as perfect as we possibly can, according to our knowledge, is to be just as perfect as our Father in heaven is. He cannot be any more perfect than he knows how, any more than we. When we are doing as well as we know how in the sphere and station which we occupy here, we are justified in the justice, righteousness, mercy, and judgment that go before the Lord of heaven and earth. We are as justified as the angels who are before the throne of God, the sin that will cleave to all the posterity of Adam and Eve is that they have not done as well as they knew how. That last phrase is key. They have not done as well as they know how. Now, one thing that we have learned talking with Latter-day Saints on the street is they know full well what is required of them. And they also know at the same time that they're not living up to that. And they tend to want to make excuses for that, sometimes by reinterpreting what the passage actually says or rewording it, as I gave the example in 2 Nephi 25-23, or they throw in clever little words like practicing perfection. But it was the same Brigham Young on September 2nd, 1860, and this can be found in the Journal of Discourses, Volume 8, page 160. He says, if the Latter-day Saints live their religion, they will forsake iniquity and overcome the evil that the enemy of all righteousness causes to rise within them until every 
passion and appetite is as perfectly under their own control as a patient animal they hold by the bit. Now, it sounds like Brigham Young is saying that the individual member has the ability to overcome the evil that the enemy of all righteousness causes to rise within them. I think what he's implying here would tie in to 1 Nephi 3.7 in the Book of Mormon that tells us that God is not going to give a commandment that Latter-day Saints can't perform or do. That's exactly what that verse is implying. And yet Brigham Young, I think, is taking that and he's kind of running with it, though he doesn't mention 1 Nephi 3.7 specifically in this portion. He understands what's in there. Then you should be able to overcome. And that's a word that is often been used by LDS leaders when it comes to the sinful desires of LDS members. You must overcome. Now, don't get me wrong, folks. They're not saying that you do it on your own. They will say that you do it with the help of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, that grace is given to every single member so that they are able to accomplish what is expected. And the word grace actually means enabling power. Enabling power to do what? Enabling power to keep all the commandments continually. And that is a definition that David Bedner gave in one of his talks. He went right back to the Bible dictionary that the Latter-day Saints have in their quads, and that's what it says. It's an enabling power. And once you've done everything you're supposed to do, then that grace kicks in to forgive you of your sins, not before. You have to do everything you're told to do, and then the grace kicks in to forgive you ever since. So you would think that that would be the ultimate goal of the Latter-day Saint, is to get to that second phase. They want the grace that forgives them of their sins. Until they get there, Eric, are they qualified for celestial exaltation? Not at all. No, they're not. And this is why a lot of Latter-day Saints don't know whether they've done enough. I don't know if this article by Camille Johnson is really going to help a lot of Latter-day Saints in that, because it sounds like she's advocating for something less than what her scriptures are calling for. In yesterday's show, I cited D. Todd Christofferson from a conference message he gave in October of 2021, where he cites in a footnote Doctrine and Covenants, section 1, verse 31. Now, later on in that talk, he actually quotes Doctrine and Covenants, section 1, verse 31, which says what, Eric? For I, the Lord, cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance. Nevertheless, he that repents and does the commandments of the Lord shall be forgiven. I think it's pretty straightforward. I think it is too. But yet, how does Camille Johnson start off her article? She uses this word, practice, like in practicing law, and admitting that she's never written a perfect brief, that she's never presented a perfect oral argument. My efforts, though imperfect, were sufficient because I was practicing. Well, that might be in a court of law, but is it in the eyes of a God who tells you as a Latter-day Saint that he cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance? What is Camille Johnson going to do? Stand there on judgment day and say, well, I was practicing. Of course, that's not going to stand up. Not in the court of Jesus Christ, your sin has to be taken care of. Even Bruce McConkie admitted that one sin will damn the Latter-day Saint. 
Well, let's give one more quote from Brigham Young. This was from Journal of Discourses, volume 10, page 284. He said, there is not one requirement of the Lord that is non-essential. Every requirement that he has made of us is essential to our perfection and sanctification to prepare us to enjoy celestial glory. We get the impression by what Brigham Young has taught that the Latter-day Saint is not only capable but he's also expected to do everything that he's commanded to do. And again, it goes back to what I said earlier. Every Latter-day Saint knows what's expected. It's just that they're not living up to it. You ask any Latter-day Saint, what is it that is required of you in order to get the forgiveness of sins? You have to repent and keep the commandments. Repent, how do you define that? Again, that's important, Christian, if you're going to talk to your Latter-day Saint friends, you have to ask them, how do you define repentance? And how many commandments are you supposed to keep? How often are you supposed to keep them? The Latter-day Saint has an answer to this, and it's the same all the time. All of the commandments, all of the time. If you're doing all of them all of the time, would you want to throw the word practicing in front of that? You see, this is where it confuses me as an outsider. This looks like we're using clever language to excuse ourselves, if I was a member, from actually accomplishing with the precision. Russell M. Nelson uses the word precision. It sounds like a very confusing message. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.